Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I think it's safe to say that Georgia fans were in the mood for some good news. You don't need me to tell you why it has been a little bit of a hard week, and yet there is reason to believe, at least from the football standpoint, and obviously there are things in life more important than football, but we're also a football show, so we're going to talk about football here. Um, from a football standpoint, you are led to believe that you're actually going to finish the week on a fairly high note here on the basis of some of what you've seen from the NFL scouting combine in Indianapolis. Now, admittedly, some of y'all like this kind of thing a little bit more than I do. I'm not glued to my TV necessarily for the scouting combine. I'm not going to pretend that I am, but I am following all this stuff on social media. And boy, I got to tell you, I just loved a lot of the stuff we got from Nolan Smith yesterday. It's kind of one of those things where like Nolan sort of dominated the day yesterday because obviously we spent a good bit of time talking about Nolan Smith on our show yesterday because I thought that Nolan gave an extraordinary press conference on Wednesday. It's one of those things because of everything else that's been going on. It's one of those things that the Nolan press conference almost gets lost in the weeds a little bit. And what we said to you was, hey, you shouldn't miss this. You should watch this. We played you a couple of the clips. Nolan giving you a very strong rebuke of what I'll call like transfer culture. I thought he was good on about that. But Nolan was also just good on another, a number of other topics there too. The entire press conference on Wednesday he is up there on the Dog Nation video channels, including at YouTube. Uh, so I think you should go watch it. It's worth your time, I believe, to do so. But then Nolan, after doing some talking, uh, went out there and let his game do some talking for him yesterday in terms of some of the drill stuff that he did and the work that he did. And you talk about eye-popping numbers. This is uh, pretty remarkable. Let me show you this a little bit coming from our friends in the NFL here in terms of uh, vertical leap, the 40-yard dash, and that other kind of stuff. How about a 4.39 40-yard dash? Uh, that's first among the guys we're going to ca- uh, classify as defensive linemen, sort of putting edge rushers in there with that uh, that that defensive line group. A vertical leap of 41.5. That's also first among his group. And then a broad jump of uh, 10 feet, 8 inches there as well. So what a day. The combination of the vertical leap, which I believe they were saying was about as high as anyone's ever been at Nolan's size. The combination of the vertical leap with the 40-yard dash, y'all, that is off the charts athleticism and i was saying this to our video audience before the show began i wish somebody smarter than me would kind of tabulate here okay so if nolan kind of moves from where he was likely to be taken and now he moves up to a different sort of draft category potentially how much money did he make for himself yesterday you got to think that he made a good bid i'd love to know if there's some sort of tangible suggestion of exactly how much that was but the overall thought here is yesterday was a very very lucrative day for nolan smith and honestly i'm happy for him individually i said this yesterday i think that nolan is probably on my list of favorite georgia players just because i kind of like what he represents i like what he has talked about when it comes to his georgia career he's always seemed to have kind of the right thing to say at the exact right moment i had a chance to interact with him a little bit prior to the uh, national championship game out in la he was funny out there doing that he wasn't able to play but he was still kind of soaking up the moment which i was happy for but beyond just being happy for nolan there was some other really good stuff about um the day yesterday there was a video and maybe you've seen it i'm going to show it to you here right now now uh, let me just say this as a quick aside and we'll get back into the regular topic 
So around here, we really try to not do anything on the show that functions more on video as opposed to audio. We take our podcast audience very seriously. I also keep in mind the fact that a lot of you use the video platforms as kind of a de facto podcast anyway. You're not necessarily watching it. You're just sort of listening to it as you're running around doing things. So we are very serious about not making anything on this show a little too video centric because like if I had to guess 70, 75 percent of the people who uh, consume this show sort of consume it as a listening product. Uh, so we try to be very, very mindful of that. Maybe not 70, but, it, but it's more than 50. Uh, a lot of people, in other words, kind of listen to this as a podcast more so than watch it as a video. So we try not to do too much video centric stuff. I will confess what I'm about to play for you sort of works better as video than it does as audio for the folks who are watching. You'll kind of see why here in a moment. Uh, video capture of sort of the Georgia football facility. Some of the folks in that facility, some of those play, some of the Georgia players who are just losing their mind over how well Nolan was performing with his 40-yard dash. They're getting excited right before he runs it. They're obviously getting fired up when he does run it, and when he concludes, and he obviously puts the good time up, they kind of lose their mind. This is really, really good stuff. There's a story at dognation.com, so if you're listening and you want to see what we're showing to you here right now, go to dognation.com. You can see it for yourself. But I loved the way in which Nolan's former Georgia teammates, current Georgia players, just – exploded in excitement because of what nolan did with his 40-yard dash run yesterday this is really really fun and really really good take a look at this here right now come on you're right man So I can't make out every player that's in that video. I did see Warren Brinson, I believe. Uh, beyond that, I'm sure some of you are better kind of identifying some of those guys because everybody's sort of moving around kind of fast there. But it's a collection of George players. They're celebrating Nolan Smith here right there. And that's just so much fun. I mean, isn't that just so much fun? The happiness they have with their guy going out there and doing that. It's reminiscent of what we saw a year ago when like Trayvon Walker and Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis were all kind of hanging around rooting for each other. And you remember the scene where uh, I forget – I forget which two, but they were kind of they were sort of waiting to watch their guy run. Like they could have gone and done whatever, but they were really wanting to cheer for their guy. They were really wanting to do that. And I just I just love that. I just think it's really fun. And on a Friday we could use a little fun, especially after this week, and that kind of gives you that. But if you want to be serious about this here for a moment, I think that this sort of tells you a couple of different things. First of all, to me, this is visual video representation of kind of what makes Georgia, Georgia. And this is kind of coming from Kirby Smart himself, which is that you can have the best athletes. Clearly, Nolan Smith shows you that Georgia's got off the charts athleticism in a program. And you can have a lot of different things going for you. But I think that Georgia has come to genuinely believe it's players jumping around a locker room to celebrate for a guy who's about to help himself individually. That that excitement they have for one of their guys to go out and have a good day you know you know they're they're sort of happy for each other that connection that word you've heard Kirby Smart use many times that that is as much a part of the success formula for Georgia as anything in fact let's go back to a moment from this past summer where Kirby Smart talked about that and a lot of times when coaches especially when a guy like Smart says this kind of comes across a little bit coach speakish or kind of roll your eyes because it just sort of seems a little too touchy-feely for what the very physical you know uh collision sport like football 
is all about. But I genuinely believe that Georgia believes this stuff. And I genuinely believe that 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 Georgia values this stuff. And the video you just saw, if you're watching the show, if you were listening, you got a chance to at least hear some of the sights and sounds of that, how happy they were, like genuinely enthusiastically happy that Nolan Smith ran a good 40 yard time. Uh, that's the kind of thing that Kirby's been saying for a while that he has been pushing to instill into this program. In fact, here's an example of just that exact topic from going back this summer. For us, it really steers down to one one cultural belief that we have a connection that's greater than our opponent we're all going to be tough we're all going to be physical in the sec but can we be better connected together can we have one plus one equals three because for us one plus one equals three means we get more together than we do apart and this team believes that so listen i think that word that that cultural idea that the word culture the idea of a cultural component something that kirby smart kind of talked about right there it's obviously a pretty loaded word, loaded phrase in a week like this. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to pretend this. You know this to be true there as well. Like, not everything that's going on this week is great for Georgia. We just know that. I've, I've said my piece about that. You've probably said your piece about that. We all have our own varying opinions to some degree or another about what's happened for Georgia. But we know in some form or fashion it's not great for UGA, and there's some probably some big questions that need to be asked and some tough answers that need to be sought out. We understand all of that. But when you're having the discussion of exactly what the culture is around Georgia, I mean this very seriously. Pay attention to this kind of stuff. Pay attention to the connection that these players feel with each other. You can go out and see all kinds of like scientific research and things like that. We've never had less connection in a society than we have right now, even though we've got social media sort of proliferating through everything. There's never been less personal connection between human beings than exists right now. So if you're a team and can, can create that kind of thing for the players to play in the team, you're clearly doing something right, and you're doing something right that runs against the current uh, current of culture in a lot of ways. So I take that pretty seriously. These Georgia players enjoy playing with each other, and I do take it pretty seriously when Kirby Smart says, that's the reason why we've been winning games. Uh, I take all that really seriously, and I do think that's a really good thing. And I think some of what you saw at the NFL Scouting Combine yesterday is also an embodiment of the actual culture that does exist at Georgia. And then when Nolan Smith, speaking on the NFL Network after the really good day that he'd had, when he was made aware of the video that uh, that uh, of the Georgia players cheering for him and being happy for him with what he did, he was kind of asked like, "Like, where are they? What is this? What's going on here?" Uh, Nolan offered an explanation of that, but then also kind of went into like unsolicited, by the way, uh, hardcore recruiting pitch for UGA once again on a week which could, we we could use some good news. Nolan was so much fun yesterday. Here he is, audio clip from the NFL Network. Take a listen to this. They were in our locker room, man. Our locker room is amazing. You see all. Of the TVs. If you ever want to go to Georgia, we just built a new locker room. We have a new weight room. Um, let me get my spill on Georgia. We have an indoor facility. We got an outdoor facility. We just put in a brand new restaurant. Let me say that again. A restaurant. It's called Bones. It's amazing. Shout out to Miss C. Corey, our nutritionist, and she's amazing. We eat steak, lobster, the best of the best. So go dogs and go to Georgia. Holly. <laughs> How much do you love that? Go dogs and go to Georgia. Come here and eat some steak and lobster from Bones and uh, great nutrition staff. And you know that's a guy that says, "Hey, this is my big day. You know, this is the day in which I'm proving to people that there's been a debate. You know, should Nolan Smith be a first round pick? He said this himself the other day. 
lot of folks have thought I was undersized. And from a textbook standpoint, as an edge rusher in the NFL, he probably is a little bit. A lot of folks may wonder, well, how healthy are you given the fact that you weren't able to play, you know, near the end of your uh, final season in college? You know, yesterday was a big day for Nolan Smith individually. But when he was being interviewed about his big day, when he had a chance to kind of toot his own horn or make his case for why he should be a first-round pick, instead, Nolan Smith used that time to tout Georgia. Instead, he said, let me give you my spiel about Georgia here for a moment. Let me talk to you about why you should go dogs and go to UGA. Like, that's just really, really fun. And I think everything that I said yesterday about being – you know, very thankful to have had Nolan as part of this program and very proud to kind of say he's been one of my favorites here over the course of the last few days. Uh, I feel firmly validated in saying what I said yesterday. And we all know this. It's not been an awesome week. There's been a lot of hard stuff, and we've been kind of reminded of a lot of hard stuff that's happened over the course of the last couple of months or, or lingering story from, from over the course of the last couple of months. And that's not going away. That doesn't completely disappear. But it's also nice to get a reminder of the really good things going on in Georgia, too, and the really good vibes that exist among these players and a lot of really good dudes who represent UGA as players. Nolan Smith is one of the best. It was a great day for him yesterday. He may have set himself up for a very big payday. And I got to tell you, if that's true, I don't think it could happen to a nicer guy. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Kroger. We are glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. On the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, and as a podcast wherever you find them, the Apple Podcast Player, Spotify, uh you know the google podcast player uh, you i'm always amazed at like the podcast players that i don't even know about yet somehow some way dog nation daily is on them which is always kind of a cool thing to uh, see so somehow it seems to be working the technology seems to be working y'all are usually pretty good at telling me if it doesn't but it seems like it's all working really well so we appreciate all of that thank you for being a part of our show and a big thanks to our friends at Kroger for being a part of the show too now listen here is what i love about Kroger among the many things i love about Kroger Kroger understands that there's all kinds of sort of challenges out there, right? You know, we've never been busy than we are right now. Things are kind of getting expensive a little bit there, too. Uh, so Kroger, whatever they can do to make your life more convenient, whatever they can do to kind of sort of, you know, t- take a little strain off your wallet, your pocketbook, whatever else, they seem to be really content in doing that, including trying to create some creative ways to be able to do that there as well. You've heard me talk about Kroger Boost before, their brand new membership option for coming from our friends at Kroger. Well, I have a new update to this. Once again, a very creative way to kind of help make your life a little easier, save you a little bit of money there as well, because right now you can try Boost for free for 30 days. How cool is this? Try it for free for 30 days, and you're going to save up to $1,000 per year with twice the fuel points and free grocery delivery. How about that? Helping you out, making things more convenient, helping you out, put more money back in your pocket, trying to find a creative sort of technologically based way to be able to do that with our friends at Kroger Boost. So go to Kroger.com slash boost to find out more about this. That's Kroger.com slash boost. Try boost for free for 30 days. Take advantage of twice the fuel points. Take advantage of the free grocery delivery and take advantage of a great new membership opportunity from our friends there at Kroger. All right. We're going to talk some UGA recruiting with Jeff Sintel here coming up in just a moment. Prior to that, they want to go around the doghouse. I want to change the subject away from the NFL scouting combine for a moment. Because I thought that Tom Pornelli, CBS Sports, had a really good uh, story the other day at CBSSports.com looking at the top quarterbacks as he ranks them for the upcoming year. And 
I'm going to give you the list. We're going to talk more about the list coming up here in a moment uh, later on the show. Then I want to give you something that Fornelli said about his list after that. So Fornelli, I think, is a good writer. CBS Sports, been covering college football really kind of now for a long time. And here is how he power ranks quarterbacks for the start of the upcoming season with one important caveat. If you are not either a named starter or a very likely starter, in other words, if you're in the midst of a quarterback competition, you are not eligible for this power ranking in his mind for right now. So let me give you the top 10 here for a moment. We'll kind of break down this list fully more later on. Uh, but I want to explain why this kind of relates to Georgia here for a moment. So he's got Caleb Williams, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner at number one. He's got Michael Penix, who did choose to come back to Washington at number two. Drake May, who stayed at North Carolina at number three. Uh, Jordan Travis, Florida State, number four. Bo Nix, Oregon, number five. Another guy that uh, made some headlines by choosing to stay at Oregon. Michael Pratt, Tulane, another guy that kind of chose to stay uh, there with the Green Wave. J.J. McCarthy from Michigan. Sam Hartman from Notre Dame. Uh, Jaden Daniels from LSU. Uh, Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma. So that's the top ten from Tom Fernelli in terms of his quarterbacks for the upcoming season. Now, in the story, though, that Fornelli wrote about this CBSSports.com, he brought up a pretty good point that I think kind of sets us up for sort of an interesting conversation. He says, eventually, when the winners of the quarterback battles at places like Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State are settled, it's logical to expect the winners will make their way into these rankings. Being the starting quarterback for a national title contender is a very powerful position but they won't be in my power rankings until they've been named the starters. That's what Fornelli says about why you don't see a Bama guy on there, a Georgia guy on there, an Ohio State guy on there. It's because those are all players who are in the midst of this their quarterback competition. But eventually, he says, it's just sort of logical to assume that the starting quarterback in a place like Alabama, the starting quarterback in a place like Georgia, would have a very good chance of ranking among the 10 best quarterbacks in college football. But let's park on that here for a moment. Doesn't that set us up for a pretty good contrast here right now that right now Georgia and the team in the SEC that we believe Georgia might play in the SEC championship final time this year for division winners populating the SEC title game, Alabama, there are some similarities here, right? Whereas at Georgia, you know, a lot of Georgia fans believe that Carson Beck will eventually win the job because Carson Beck was the number two guy a year ago. It's at least a reasonable assumption, but in the broadest sense, we don't yet know who the starting quarterback is going to be for Georgia. In Alabama, we saw Jalen Milrow be the guy that played when Bryce Young got injured a year ago. A lot of Bama fans think Ty Simpson is going to overtake him, and actually it'll be Simpson who becomes the starting quarterback for Alabama. But in the broadest sense, we also don't yet know who the starting quarterback is going to be at Alabama either. So right now, even though the situations are a little bit different, Milrow has played more than than Beck has. Beck may be slightly more favored to be the starter for Georgia than Milrow is for Alabama. But nonetheless, these are at least somewhat similar situations. And that right now for the two, at least on the basis of preseason rankings, the two top teams in the SEC, we don't yet know who the starting quarterback is going to be. Now, what I think is interesting about that is, is that how many years in a row has the assumption been made that Alabama has will have ha, you know has had a better quarterback than Georgia that Georgia as a program has built itself up to being Alabama's equal and now I would say surpassed Alabama but it has done so without the perception of the Georgia quarterback being what the Alabama quarterback has been no disrespect to Stetson Bennett he leaves one of the most decorated college ball players ever 
but he's probably not going to be like a number one overall type pick, whereas Bryce Young could be the number one overall draft pick. Prior to that, Mac Jones was also a first round pick with the New England Patriots. You know, prior to that, Tua Tungo Vailoa is first round pick of the Miami Dolphins. You know, even Jalen Hurts, when he was the starting quarterback, had a little bit of chatter around him. It has been a great number of years, significant number of years. Uh, pretty much every year of the Kirby Smart era Georgia, that the assumption is that Alabama's got the better quarterback in comparison to Georgia, and that if Georgia's going to be better than Alabama, it's going to have to overcome a little bit of a negative comparison when it comes to the overall quarterback spot. Now, doesn't that set us up for something interesting here in 2023? That it's at least possible, and maybe in some respects likely, whether it be a Carson Beck or whether it be a Brock Vandegrift, whether it be, uh, you know, a Gunnar Stockton, that it's actually reasonable to ask the question of, could this year Georgia's quarterback play be better than Alabama's? I don't mean could the Georgia team be better because the Georgia team has been better now the last two years. But could the one area in which Alabama has that has been so dominant, could that now actually change? Is the door open in 2023 whoever the Georgia starter ends up being with Mike Bobo becoming coordinator uh, at the same time, by the way, Alabama is also, uh, you know, bringing in a new coordinator there as well. Is the door open this season for Georgia to also be better at quarterback? And when you look at that list, let me see that list one more time. And I want to bring the list back again one more time before the show is done. But when you look at the list, how many of these players, Michael Penix, Jordan Travis, certainly Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy. How many of the uh, – Jaden Daniels. Like, like, how many of these players would it be impossible for you to say, well, there's no way the Georgia quarterback can be better than that guy. There's no way the Georgia quarterback can be whatever. I mean, that's just – I hate to say it this way because these are all good players, but does that really come across as that distinguished of a list to you? Does that really come across as one of those things where, like, oh, my gosh, there's no way that that uh, that the Georgia quarterback can match what Bo Nix – is going to do for Oregon we've seen Bo Nix play we know that's not true like Drake May is very good for North Carolina a little bit different kind of situation but like Michael Penix right now is the second best quarterback in the country according to Tom Fernelli rider I respect Penix is a quarterback that I like but are you telling me the Georgia quarterback can't be as good as Michael Penix has been for Washington was for Indiana before that I'd say I'd say he probably could you know same thing for you like Sam Hartman going to a Notre Dame Bennett Wake Forest that's a good player but is like Sam Hartman so good that the Georgia quarterback couldn't be better than that? I think what I'm trying to get to is on this is that I think it's very appropriate to be optimistic about Georgia's quarterback situation. You're clearly optimistic about Georgia as a team individually. They'll be favored to win the national championship. But in terms of the makeup of this Georgia team this year, it could be really fun at quarterback. We talked when I was on vacation a couple of weeks ago about questions related to the quarterback job and who's going to be the starter, who might be the backup. But it's also another question you can add to that list is, how good will the Georgia quarterback be who is eventually that eventually emerges as the starter? And I think it's reasonable to assume that the quarterback that plays for Georgia this year, even if we're not quite so sure yet, whether it's Beck or Vandergriff or Stockton, I think it's reasonable to assume that quarterback might be very good. When you look at who he's competing with to be the best in the country – you know, why couldn't the Georgia quarterback rank up near the very top? And when you look at a program like Alabama, who now for a good number of years, it's just been taken as an objective fact that Bama has had the better quarterback, that Bama was better at developing and producing high-level quarterback play than Georgia was. Maybe the door is open this year for that not quite to be so true. Interesting comparison here as Georgia, as Alabama, as uh, teams like that get ready to wage a quarterback competition where the eventual starter that emerges there will rank. 
among the very best in the country before the season's all said and done. I'm have a little bit more on this topic uh, before we're done here today there too. But for now, let's get ready to talk some Georgia recruiting. There's a lot going on. There was a big camp event last week in the Atlanta area. Interesting stuff comes out of that. We'll talk to Jeff Sintel about that. We have not gotten a update on five-star tight end Deuce Robinson in a little while, and I think there's some stuff out there that's at least worth asking Jeff on that. And uh, who knows? We'll see where it all goes. Let's do it right now. It is a recruiting update with Jeff Sintel here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Let's do it right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So I've got a lot to talk to Jeff Sintel about. And, you know, Jeff, maybe I've got the wrong read on this. But it seems to me right now, just for the purposes of where we are, first, you know, uh, weekend in March coming up here, the position group that sort of seems the most interesting to me here at the moment, uh, based on some of the sort of rumor mill chat or whatever else that's out there, I'm sort of interested in offensive line stuff right now. Uh, you know, whether it be uh, Daniel Calhoun out of uh, now at Walton High School, I guess, or David Sanders, a guy that I know you saw uh, this past week. It seems like Georgia is in a pretty good spot with a really good 2024 guy here. Sanders, the 2025 guy, is making some uh, news. You know, Georgia has got to keep bringing in these elite top-end offensive linemen. And uh, to me, Calhoun Sanders sort of seemed like they've been in the news here a little bit as of late. Seems like there's some pretty good energy right now around Georgia offensive line recruiting. Does that seem like an okay place to start for for today in your mind? That, man. Offensive linemen are the building blocks of football, the most important players on the field. Yeah, so I guess what is the latest here? Because I think you saw Sanders this past weekend. Uh, you know, Calhoun's a guy we're going to probably be watching pretty closely. What is the uh, latest here on some of that? So, I mean, what, we've, what we kind of see right now is Brennan, line coach Stacey Fields has kind of got a type. He's going after very large, very massive human beings. Like, Georgia's had success with – Taking a guy like a Tate Ratledge, most people don't know this, Xavier Trust, even the late uh, Devin Willick, those guys were all kind of seen as tackles, elite tackles or top 20 tackles, top 15 tackles on the recruiting trail. And they come to Georgia, and they're all about 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", and they end up being guards, and Georgia just has like a huge, massive, that brick wall we talk about, a massive humanity trying to uh, – you know, not trying, but moving men around and creating holes for great running backs like Kenny McIntosh. But it's kind of astounding. You start looking at these guys, and there's some guys you see that they're clearly a tackle. And there's other guys that you say, this is a guy is a hybrid. He can play this or that. Um, when you see Sanders, man, I, I, I've been open with him about this guy from the start, standing up on the table. But I don't know if I've seen ten prospects. I don't know if I've seen five prospects that have impressed me as much as David Sanders has ever ever. I mean, he, he just did some stupid things this past week. Um, he broad jumped almost 10 feet on uh, at the uh, – set a new personal record at the Under Armour event. But then he goes out this week and he throws the shot put like 51 feet, Brandon. A case of comparison, Trayvon Walker was throwing the shot put his junior year of high school like 48 feet max. And this is a six foot seven, 260-pound guy. could be a five-star tight end, could be a five-star – Left tackle, to be a five-star edge. He had two great reps against the 2024 Alabama commitment, and that's why he's the number one player in the country for 2025. Just rare, man. Just everybody talks. We use these phrases a lot. A dude, uncommon, different, him. 
Brandon, there's really kind of only been one David Sanders so far, a guy that has that much athleticism in three different areas. But then you look at the 2025 class, Brandon, the guy I'm going to write about today is Nikolai Brooks at Buford. He transferred from St. Francis. And I always wondered, Brandon, how in the world would Georgia find a a bigger, more impressive, more astounding version of an offensive tackle than Amarius Mims? Well, that to me looks like Nikolai Brooks. He's lost some good weight being at Buford. When you go to Buford, Brandon, you run about two and a half miles a day, no matter how much you weigh. And Nikolai Brooks is now six, eight and a half and about 350. Looked very good. Played some guard, played some tackle um, in the uh, in the Under Armour event. And he was one of the final five most impressive linemen named and honored by the camp. I know everybody wants to hear about 2024s. I think Daniel Calhoun's a name to watch there really closely with Georgia. I think Jonathan Daniels is a guy down there in uh, the state of Florida. Top 10 offensive tackle, really likes the dogs. Fletcher Westfall, Brandon, he's a guy out of Virginia, going to visit Georgia in March. You know, visits are back on again. The dead period yeah. is open back up. And Fletcher, man, is a kid that might be the most uh, scientist uh, recruit that I've ever seen. Dude, he's got a spreadsheet with like 15 values ranking all of his schools in terms of everything from almost to the way that their power rate takes. But a lot of specificity, a lot of really intricate details here about trying to find a ratio. He gives a, he gives these these schools a, a value score from one to ten. He's got independent factors as well that kind of couch things like vibe and feel and gut feeling. And uh, here's the thing: there's no offensive line commitments right now. There's no defensive line commitments right now. Here's the reason: everybody wants to go to Georgia. Everybody wants to at least check out Georgia. And what Georgia's going to do is they're going to bring them all in June, they're going to work them all out against one another, and the cream will rise to the crop. That's what I think is going on, even though a lot of those guys, like a, like a Daniels, like a Calhoun, there's Papa Afua, perhaps might be the first Polynesian player in Georgia. Um, he's out there in Seattle, Washington. He's a guy that has Georgia really highly up on its board. Um, so there's a lot of names in 2024. I think the big takeaway for me is they're just going to get massive humans, Brandon, and keep pushing the pile. So uh, you were talking about the Under Armour event you were at this past weekend, and on uh, Wednesday's edition of Before the Edge was presented by Kroger, you also had a conversation with Georgia uh, commits Sokovi Why, Jeff, I really like Sokovi a lot. And I know at the weekend event he kind of competed as a defensive back, which I guess at Georgia we sort of think of him as more of a wide receiver. I saw him play for Cass a year ago. I thought he was great on both sides of the ball. To me, he's a really dynamic athlete, a, a really fun player, uh, so I, I guess I'll let you talk about Scovey here a little bit, but also kind of what else you saw this past weekend for what I believe is kind of the first big camp event of the of the 2023 calendar year. Yeah, it was. Um, and you, you have a lot of seven-on-sevens going on right now, Brandon, but there's another Under Armour camp event in Orlando this weekend. They're going to make their tour stops. But with Scovey, man, you just have to like him. You know, first of all, this is a young man that's comfortable in his own skin. He, he came dressed, I believe, as like a, as Woody from Toy Story to a school event. He's dressed up in another huge green get-up costume as well. And, Brendan, he, he really just wanted to use that Under Armour camp as a way to see if, hey, could I really play DB in college if I wanted to? Knowing full well that he's going to be a slot receiver at Georgia. I think the main thing here, and, you know, sometimes you get weird looks from people or, you know, smart, smart keyboard warriors on Twitter when they go, this kid is just a football player. I want to take a minute and break down what that means. What it means is you can put him anywhere on the field 
and he's going to be successful. For Sokovi, that would be a running back, wildcat quarterback, outside receiver, inside receiver, slot, pick returner, punt returner, slot corner, nickel corner, cornerback safety. A lot of places where he can make plays for you. And he's going to be that same competitive joker, physical, throw guys around. I mean, it was really funny. He was talk- I asked him a question, Brandon. What would Sokovi White, the slot receiver, have done against Sokovi White, the defensive back, uh, at the Under Armour camp? And he's like, well, I've been in the weight room, man. I've been lifting a lot. I'd probably, I probably would have thrown Sokovi White, the slot receiver, out of the club because I was throwing guys <laughs> around left and right. I mean, Sokovi is a guy, and I, I hate to say this, but I know it's kind of speaking the language that gets Georgia fans excited. But you know all those things that made Heinz Ward so special at Georgia? I see that in Sokovi White. He says he's a 1,000% shut down. He's only going to take one official visit. That's the University of Georgia. Uh, he's from northwest Georgia. He's an in-state homegrown. His coach, Brandon, was a former Georgia lineman there. I mean, everything Georgia, everything Sokovi White, everybody tries to look for that player that's going to – far exceed the recruiting rankings, and that for me right now, at least for right now, is definitely the Kobe White in the Georgia class. Yeah, that's really interesting. We haven't talked about five-star tight end Deuce Robinson in a little while. I want to talk about that. I saw online where I guess for the first time there is a rating service that's ranking him the top 100 as a baseball prospect. I think ESPN has him in like somewhere in the 80s. Jeff, is the uh, ESPN baseball rankings as bad as their recruiting rankings are? Should we take this seriously? Is Robinson now more of a baseball prospect than he used to be? Brandon, I don't know about you, man, but let's let's see where ESPN makes more money and more clicks. Do they do more of it on football rankings? Do they do more of it on baseball rankings? So, I mean, the baseball rankings are almost unheard of. So I would imagine that if any resources from the worldwide leader going towards covering the recruiting of high school athletes, I think it's going to be probably more – more dialed in maybe on the football side, and that's not saying much at all because they're not what they used to be on the football side. Um, you know, Brandon, I think it's going to be really hard. I, the chatter, the questions I get is they read things and they see crystal balls. I think the crystal balls out there on Deuce are really really premature right now. I think they're not based really on anything factual. Brandon, this might be the kid. I'm just going to prepare it for you. He might make a commitment before April because that's what he says he wants to do in terms of a football thing. He might get drafted in June. Uh, he, depending on where he gets drafted, he may show up or not show up in college football. But I will double down that the young man's dream among all dreams is to play both sports and professionally. So, you, so yeah, you can come back to football uh, after a couple years in baseball. Certainly you can do that. I think NIL can kind of even things out. But he also has a dream to be a L.A. Dodger and professional baseball player. Like baseball has been his longtime thing. He just picked up football when he got into high school. Perhaps the case can be made. I, I would might feel comfortable saying that I think his better long-term future would be in football. Um, but we said before, Brandon, they've absolutely got to get those first-round, second-round, third-round picks, draft picks right. And then when they make sure that they want to get it right and jobs are on the line, they have to go with guys with a larger sample size, with more developed tools than what Deuce Robinson has. But I will say this, man, I've extended my network, I've extended my reach to talk to a lot of baseball guys over the last couple of weeks regarding Deuce Robinson, and they feel he has got as much power as at least batting practice power. There's a difference batting practice power than in-game power. But he's got as much easy power as anyone in this class. He could play a center field, probably a long time he would be a corner outfielder. There are some comparisons to a lot of players out there because of his size. I think some of them are lazy. Um, but he's a guy, Brandon, it's kind of fascinating to look at a player in this day and age 
with NIL, with Lincoln Riley, with Georgia football, and I guess Texas is in here still, I guess, a little bit as well, that they're juggling all that along with professional baseball and trying to make this dream really work. Um, I don't know if you saw, he had a tweet recently, Brandon, where he, he threaded the ball between his legs and Tomahawk slammed it down. Just, just a simple video on Twitter that says, hey, I'm still an athlete sure. out, out there world and gleefully excited by it. I mean, that's the type of athlete you're talking about. He can kind of do whatever he wants to in, 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 in college football and in pro baseball probably as well. I think the most logical thing to happen there is I don't see college baseball as a really big possibility, but I see, I see pro baseball and I see college football and him trying to make it work in both places. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of internet sleuths out there try to point to the fact that the single A team for um, the Dodgers is nearby USC, so that's where they're kind of getting some of their um, forecasting or whatever. I just think it's still all real, really premature. He needs to get a really strong draft grade to really move things up the needle for him in terms of um, how high he might get picked that would make him forego his college football dream because I really think it's a really powerful tug of him to go play college football uh, somewhere on Saturdays along with keeping up that baseball dream. So let me ask you just two quick questions on this. And there's a I joke around a lot that there's, I guess, an old adage in recruiting sometimes that if you don't know, it ain't you. And the fact that it seems like there's a lot we don't know about Deuce Robinson, which would lead me to assume it ain't Georgia, right? It's like if there's this much mystery, this much intrigue around Deuce Robinson, then then he must not be coming to UGA because if, if we don't know, it ain't us uh, in this particular case. Do you kind of buy into that line of thinking here? I don't think anybody knows, Brandon. I, 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 don't, I don't think that – you know, here's a way to look at it is, um, you know, the dynamic of two sports is something different here. But, Brandon – he could be a guy that doesn't sign anything. He could just show up, right? And he could be a preferred walk-on because he's got a pro contract in baseball. Or somebody could NIL him some money. Like, I think the smart thing here is I don't know if Deuce Robinson will ever sign anything with anybody, maybe perhaps the financial aid papers and not the letter of intent. And he might just be the kid that, that shows up somewhere and is like, oh, well, this guy's now a Trojan or this guy's now a Bulldog. I think it's that much up in the air in terms of baseball. Like, Brandon, here's the thing. He's had a great workout for the Padres. He's had a great workout for the Dodgers. And now he's going to play some high school baseball, and scouts are going to be there checking him out. So he's got to have that stock continually rise in terms of um, what's going to happen there in terms of his future, his overall future. I think, I think the way Georgia fans should look at it, if, if, it shows, if he shows up in June in Athens and he's on the roster, then that is, uh, I guess, sound money is the best way to say that, where you're – Cleaning out, cleaning out the house, cleaning out the attic, and all of a sudden you, you find something where there's some cash stored in a suitcase somewhere or stored in a desk somewhere you didn't know you had. I think it would probably be a pleasant and wonderful surprise, but I think most people could kind of feel that way about Deuce Robinson right now. And so to kind of further this conversation, not to get too deep in the weeds, the other day I saw Eli Drinkwitz, the Missouri coach, is doing a press conference. They've actually already started spring practice, and one of the things that came up was Sam Horn. You know Horn, our audience does, uh, the former Collins Hill quarterback who's really good at baseball and, and, and good at football too. He's good at a lot of things. But I guess, and I only know part of the story, but I guess he got hurt playing baseball. And so you had this situation. I don't know how serious it is, but he's hurt right now. Um, you know, you got Drinkwitz on the press conference trying to figure out how it was that Horn got hurt playing baseball and Missouri had the potential of only having one healthy uh, scholarship quarterback for spring practice. And as I was watching a lot of this play out the other day or reading about it playing out, Jeff, the conclusion I drew from that is 
man, Kirby Smart would just not do this. You know, Kirby Smart is not going to have a hot topic of spring practice be one of his players getting hurt playing some other sport. And it just seems like there's a lot of uh, fashionable discussion about so-and-so playing two sports right now, whether it be Deuce Robinson. I know Mike Matthews has gotten two sport offers. I guess Auburn, I think even Georgia has given him the basketball offer there as well. Uh, Dylan Lonegren's going to Alabama as kind of a perceived two sports star. But when the rubber hits the road, at a place like Georgia, you're either a football player or you're not, right? Yeah, I see that, especially at a place like Georgia. First of all, Brandon, I was kind of laughing. I don't think Kirby would be uh, – Kirby, Kirby would probably be annoyed by the fact that one of his players is, is in spring training and playing baseball, much less getting hurt playing baseball, yeah. especially a quarterback. I just don't think that's possible. And, you know, we've heard trail and on the trail where quarterbacks come through that want to play both, and they – Pretty much succinctly hear from Kirby Smart in Georgia that, hey, man, there are a lot of quarterbacks out there that just want to play one sport for us. And I think that's the lane we're going to be shopping down in terms of our quarterback derby and our quarterback guys we bring in. Um, you know, for, for me, you know, when you look at this, maybe only a specialized position like a receiver can go make this happen, um, especially the college. That's why I've never really thought the college baseball stuff even really worked, worked with Deuce because that's a situation where, A, He's going to be doing baseball. You know, his path is pro baseball, not college baseball, and also pro football where he has to de- develop those skills in college football, Brandon, because I think the young man's only played like maybe 20 games, 22 games total in his high school career. He's had a, you know, he's had an injury, he's COVID. There's a lot, a lot of things that kind of kept him from having full 10-game seasons or 12-game seasons every year. One more thing I must admit, Brandon, honestly compels me to admit that just when you thought the 2023 chapters were just totally Deuce Robinson and the waiting game there, Brandon, it's also a guy we talked about this week on Hedges, and that's a junior college defensive tackle out mm. of um, Texas. And his name, you're going you're gonna to kill me over there because he's got a lot, of, a lot of W's and a lot of O's in there. But it's Michael Noachoka. And okay. he's, he's a guy, Brandon, that took some time off that junior college route we're all known with. He's a defensive lineman, Brandon. He's been clocked at 4.76. In the 40, Brandon, that's 6'4", 285 type range. Tape looks great, and he's a guy that's going to come see Georgia in March. Interesting. And he's going to take his official visits, and Georgia's offered. And um, Trey Scott, a man who would know about it, says he can see him in the Trayvon Walker position, playing that role, doing those duties that Trayvon Walker did, that 44 did for Georgia. That's another name to think about in the 2023 class, Brandon. How does that happen? Well, I think we could clearly look at Spring, spring ball and see if there's any defensive linemen that transfer out, um, portal guys, and that would create more openings for Georgia to bring in a junior college defensive tackle. Brennan, he would have three years to play three seasons. And I know when I saw that film and then I heard that 4.76 at that 6'4", 285, that grabbed my attention. It oh, maybe yeah. another potential summer surprise in the 2023 class. Did you say he had taken some time off from football? Yeah, he did. He did. He had, a, he had a weird situation where he, he tried a couple of schools. Um, he went back and forth. And, Brendan, this is the best part about this story. He got his first offer December 26th, and that was from Prairie View. And then flash forward three months later, and he's got an offer from the national champions, and they're talking about Trayvon Walker in the pitch. And Michael, you know, I talked to him this week, spoke to him this week. He was pretty candid about it. He's like, dude, I'm going to be honest. He's like, there was a time when I had my top five, and, like, these are my five schools. And I'm like, he was thankful. He was because he'd waited so long for any sort of DM action from college coaches. 
and he had five. It's like, okay, I can live with these five. Five. I'm blessed and thankful to have these five. And then, boom, another five come in, and he's like, well, scratch that top five. This is a better top five. And then, boom, scratch that top five. Here's another top five. I mean, he's a young man that is so thankful for where he's at right now, but he said when the Georgia offer came, Brandon, you know, I don't know how much of your viewers and audience will get this. Maybe raise your hand in the, in the comment section if you do. But remember when we were younger and we were watching those Charlie Brown commercial, Charlie Brown holiday specials, Halloween, Great Pumpkin, oh, yeah. you know, the, whatever Christmas special it is. Oh, and yeah. they have the situation with the teachers. And everything the teacher says was like, wah, 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 like wah, that. wah, wah, wah. <laughs> You got it. You got it. You know what's up. Well, he said after Trey, Trey Scott said you're offered to be lucky to come play at the University of Georgia, and Bob went wah, 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 wah. Then he heard Trayvon Walker, and he was wah, 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 wah. That's what you get when the national champions, the back-to-back national champions, offer a kid, Brandon, who had no semblance of what he was doing in, in college football this time a year ago. So I'll tell you the other thing that I was thinking, too, is, is that if he does end up coming to Georgia, he fits in well with – really good football players that have also had some time away from football prior to coming to Georgia. You know, A.D. Mitchell's not here anymore, but he, you know, missed time prior to becoming a very good receiver for Georgia. Uh, Javon Bullard's work during the pandemic is one of the things that earned him a Georgia scholarship. Kind of fits in with that. Brock Bowers missed his senior season, I I believe, there as well. So uh, a lot of very good Georgia players have a period of time away from football prior to to coming to UGA so if that be the case that would be kind of the continuation what's been a little bit of an interesting trend for some of Georgia's best players over the course of the last couple of years it's going to mean more right you take it off you realize it may not you may not have it yet you come back and Georgia asks asks their their young men to try to burn 2,500 calories before 7 30 a.m in the winter workouts and they're happy to do it they're gleefully happy to do it I love the story like that. You know I'm a sucker for a story like that, but I know that the 4.76 and 285 pounds would really catch your attention, especially across the defensive front when Fravion Scott has already stamped and certified him with an offer that says he's Georgia worthy. All right, let me do two very, very quick things before we let you go. One of these kind of extenuating, extending from the Robinson uh, conversation. The mystery around Robinson, does that do one thing or another right now to impact what's coming next with Dylan Riola? By the way, I am now saying Riola. Uh, you know, based on your uh, admonition. So I'm going to say Riola. That's what you say it's supposed to be, uh, how it's supposed to be pronounced. So Robinson, Riola, a little bit close, I guess. Does the Robinson mystery here mean anything for Riola, who the Internet's been kind of, you know, wrestling with the last few days about will whether he would or won't uh, visit Georgia coming up in a couple of weeks? Oh, dude, he's visiting Georgia. It's happening in March. Flights aren't booked yet, but he's going to visit Georgia sometime. That's on the plan. I've got pretty good information on that. Um, you know, Brandon, I'll, I'll say this. I say wherever Deuce Robinson decides to go, it's going to be impactful That's because those two guys have long held the thought that they want to play together. Their families are close. Their fathers are close. Uh, here's a good story. His Dominic Robinson's dad, who trains football players, he trains baseball players. Uh, he was a two-sport athlete himself, of all things, at Florida State, and Florida State was really good in both sports. Uh he was at the Elite uh, 11, or what's left of the Elite 11. I believe this was two seasons ago. And he saw Dylan Riola throw because Dylan was at that event. And he said that he felt that Dylan was better than any quarterback in the 2022 or the 2023 class. And that was when Dylan was just a pup man or just a baby husker or whatever you want to say it for the right parallels there or whatever. I mean, they, they, they know about each other's skills. They know it would be a dream to play together. 
I'm not saying package deal because people take that thing and go 90 yards with it in one direction or the other. But those guys are really tight. Those families are really tight, and it would be a dream for them to play college football together. All right, very last thing. Uh, we saw a staff change at Georgia this week. I guess Will Myers, who's done some work at Louisiana, plays like that, stepping in for Matt Godwin. Is it the director of player personnel? Is that the title here? It's kind of the recruiting you know, uh, someone who's kind of oversees the recruiting process the best that I can tell. So Matt Godwin out, and I think some of the internet chatter is he may even be getting out of the business all the way around. Will Myers in, uh, Will getting some experience at the kind of the um, sort of group of five level prior to this. Uh, what does this mean, if anything, for Georgia? Is, is there a way to make this interesting for the person who may not be, you know, all that well acquainted with what, what Matt Godwin has done for Georgia or even who Will Myers is, not the, form, not the uh, current Major League Baseball player, by the way? Uh, you know what? What can you tell us about this, Jeff? Yeah, wasn't Will Myers the guy on SNL too? Do I have the wrong Will Myers there? Maybe I do. So you may be thinking um, about Mike Myers, who became uh, Austin Powers. No, I thought it was another one. Uh, Brandon, how about this? Let's do a quick, quick, quick pulse check on this. If we ask ninety-three thousand people in Sanford Stadium who Matt Godden was and what role he served on the Georgia football staff. I'm not trying to demean the job, but how many people do you think would have known what he did? No, 5% or probably. so. Probably 5%. 5% or so. Here's the thing. It's a really important job. It's a job that you, you're, the tracking and the inventory and the search and discovery of a lot of players, um, it's really important in terms of personnel there for Georgia. I like the resume of this young man coming from uh, – because, I don't know, Brent, I think we've probably seen four different names at that position in Kirby Smart's time. Some of them go off to really huge jobs. Um, in the business, including an AD position at uh, Texas A&M. But he, he's been at Louisiana with the Raging Cajuns and really had a pretty good class put together. They had a lot of players that were probably too good to be in their class that eventually the big boys like Texas Tech and Missouri, and, or at least bigger boys, Texas Tech and Missouri, and even Tech, Tech LSU came and found really late that probably would have been Raging Cajuns. So, I mean, it's always an important thing. You know, if it's handpicked by Kirby Smart to deal with recruiting, it's going to be relentless and over-the-top and thorough and efficient in every means possible. Um, I think the hardest part right now, Brandon, is it's all, the national exposure and the success has ratcheted things up where I, when a guy has an offer from Georgia and he doesn't visit Georgia, that's almost news to me right now when the, the national champions have offered, the back-to-back national championship champions have offered I don't care if the kid's in Alaska. I don't care if the kid's Juno High School in Alaska or whether he's in Hawaii or wherever you want to say it. When George is knocking on the door now and they're calling you, they're going to get that reciprocation of attention. I think that's what's the hardest part is just funneling and filing down the players. And now all are really interested. I think, Brandon, back on an earlier topic, I think George has offered like 10 offensive linemen in the last two weeks. And almost every one of them are about six, seven, and 300 pounds. They're finding them everywhere. There's a huge lineman in – uh, Birmingham, Alabama, and Clay Chalkville, another guy, just put Georgia, had him in his top ten. Now they're in his top three, and that kid's like 6'8", 350 as well. Um, these massive humans, man, they it may only be like .001%, but somehow they show up on every Georgia recruiting radar and tracking sheet possible. Jeff, that is very good stuff. Thank you for being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger here today. I certainly appreciate that. Really interesting recruiting stuff. We'll look forward to reading a bunch from you over the course of the weekend and the uh, time to come here. And, of course, we'll chat with you again on our program very soon there as well. Take it easy, buddy. Everybody have a great weekend. You too. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Really good stuff from uh, – 
our buddy Jeff Santel, Kaylee Manzel also uh, calling me out here. One of the things I like to do, <laughs> I'm a little bit of a doodler, <laughs> so I'm just sort of scribbling on my page the entire time. I got kind of got called out for that a moment ago by our good friend uh, Kaylee Manzel. So uh, funny stuff there on that, too. By the way, we're going to go cruise around the SEC here coming up in just a moment. Prior to that, though, let's go uh, remind you that when we're cruising around the SEC, we are doing so courtesy of Royal Caribbean. A lot of you know I just got back from my own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. And for me... One of the things I thought was really interesting was how my kids were going to respond to this. This is the first time being on the cruise. We were so excited about taking them on the cruise. And we were just really kind of curious, like, what would they think about it? What would, what would be interesting to them about it? And you never knew what they're going to gravitate to. And I could not have predicted this, but it turned out to be you know, true. But the thing my kids probably had the most fun with, or, or, or I should say one of the most fun things, very, very near the top of their list they loved the most, was the ice skating rink. And I mean this both in terms of the fact that they both were out there ice skating every time the uh, the rink was open. They liked doing that on board the ship, and they loved seeing the ice skating show. My daughter loved it. My son liked it a lot there, too. The The skaters would interact with them. They'd give them high fives and things like that, so they thought that was really fun. And this is one of those things you just couldn't have predicted, but it ended up being a big part of, of the event for them. Now, there is also an ice skating rink, an ice skating show on Independence of the Seas. The Dog Nation crews are going to be on in April. That's really fun. But my point in telling you all that is it's just a reminder that the thing that makes the Royal Caribbean cruise vacation so special is the great painstaking care they take to give you the widest array of entertainment options, like a true like Olympic level, in some cases, ice skating show, a great choreograph with the music and the fun, the lights and all the effects that go along with that. My kids just ate it up and it was really fun. It was really entertaining. Hard to believe you're doing that on board a cruise ship, but you are. And then to get a chance to actually be on that rink yourself and skate and do all those kinds of things, it's the sort of thing we don't get to do that in a regular life. You know, that's not something we're doing on a daily basis, but on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, you get a chance to take advantage of stuff that you almost don't get a chance to experience any other way. So my invitation to you is to check it out. Call my good friend Jessica Slater, travel agent 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. Speaking of the Dog Nation cruise, you can also visit a website she's put together, royaldogs.com. That's royaldogs.com. And find out more about the Dog Nation cruise, whether you maybe missed this one but hope for the next one, or if you still have time to get on board for this one. I think there's still a little bit of time for you to be able to do that. I know we've had a couple of folks join us here really recently, very late. And listen, we're glad to have you. We're going to have a great time and hope to see you on board there for all of that. All right, with that said, Let's go cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And I actually want to go back to something we were talking about earlier. I talked about this a little bit from a Georgia-centric standpoint, but I'm going to kind of broaden this to the rest of the SEC. One more time, can I see that list from Tom Fornelli, CBSSports.com, of his list of top quarterbacks for the upcoming season. Now, Fornelli's just one rider. This is just one person's opinion. But it is a good springboard for us to have a conversation. Now, I want to tell you two things that I think are interesting about this list here for a moment, and then we'll move on and talk about something different. The first thing is, there are a handful of names. Drake May, North Carolina. Michael Pratt, Tulane. Probably Sam Hartman a a little bit there as well. Uh, There's a handful of names that by not leaving the school they were at, or maybe the transfer choice they made, kind of changes the national championship race, right? I mean, we were led to believe at one point in time that Drake May was getting, what was it, $3 million offers or whatever it was to go play for so-and-so school. May has shot those rumors down. But the point is, is that's the perception that would exist around college football December, January. That a guy like Drake May, who legitimately is a really good player for North Carolina, if he were to leave and go to a 
you know, a national championship contender, he becomes a little bit of a kingmaker, and he becomes the kind of quarterback paired with the right kind of team that all of a sudden maybe creates a national championship contender that could rival what Georgia's doing uh, down here in Athens, but May ultimately doesn't do that. He stays at North Carolina. His, now, his family's got deep ties to UNC. That may be why, but that's the example of a guy not leaving that uh, actually ends up being a pretty big deal, the fact that he doesn't leave. I'll say the same thing about Pratt at Tulane. There's some thought here that, a, you know, kind of a fancy pants private school like Tulane, they've actually maybe got a little bit more access to NIL than you realize, so they can hold on to a guy like that. Uh, they can't pay the entire team, but they can pay the quarterback, so therefore they do. They keep him. He doesn't go somewhere else. I think there have been some chatter that maybe even like Florida had hoped to get him. I believe that's the rumor that was out there. But ultimately that doesn't happen. Pratt stays at Tulane, and that's another example of a – Big-time quarterback just kind of not being out there on the open market, which probably affects how the SEC playoff race is going to kind of you know play itself out here. And then a little bit for Sam Hartman there, too. You know, Hartman leaving Wake Forest, probably not the biggest surprise in the world. He's done a lot there in uh, Winston-Salem, probably got his degree. Uh, but for one final run at it, why not go to a really big school and have a chance at some glory? Well, Notre Dame typically would be the kind of school you think, well, that could be the, the case. But you know this. Notre Dame doesn't have much of an offensive coordinator in place, doesn't have much of an offensive coordinator in place for Hartman. They uh, went after Andy Ludwig from Utah, apparently <laughs> apparently didn't have enough folding cash to buy the you know pay the buyout for Ludwig to leave Utah. That entire thing was weird. Uh, and then the Irish finally ended up promoting their tight ends coach. Like if you're Sam Hartman, you're like, what? Is this what I signed up for? You know, uh, you know, my guy Tommy Reese leaves, goes to Notre Dame. Uh, have a chance to bring in Andy Ludwig. You won't pay the money apparently to do that. Then you end up promoting the tight ends coach, like Sam Hartman playing somewhere else. I mean, just just for the sake of conversation, this is not going to happen. But for the sake of conversation, Hartman following Reese to a place like Alabama, all of a sudden that changes the complexion of the season a little bit. But ultimately, Hartman's probably kind of tucked away over there at South Bend now, at a place in which you know he's probably not likely to be much part of the national conversation because Notre Dame lost to Marshall last year. They're just not that good. So I think part of the story as it relates to quarterbacks here for this upcoming season are the fact that the kinds of quarterbacks that could have maybe have transferred, paired with a championship contender, and kind of become something, they sort of chose not to. This has been a very weird year for transfer quarterbacks, just not nearly as big a deal uh, this offseason as you assumed that it might would have been. But when it comes to the SEC situation here, you know, this is where I think also the, the the rankings, the discussion about top quarterbacks gets a little bit interesting. And you can take the list down now if you want to. Um, there are a few quarterbacks in the SEC, I believe, that by the end of the season, they, for their teams, now Georgia fans don't care one way or another, but I'm talking about for the teams that w- w- these guys play for, they have got to be part of this conversation. They just they just have to. They just have to. they got to be part of this conversation. If, if, for instance, if K.J. Jefferson in Arkansas isn't one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the country, at least knocking on the door of being one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the country by the end of the year, then it's not been a good year for Sam Pittman in Arkansas. They got changeover coordinator. They got one more year of a very tough SEC West schedule. They need a huge year from K.J. Jefferson. That's a quarterback. That's a player in the SEC. Uh, that's going to have a huge spotlight on him. Spencer Rattler coming back at South Carolina, I believe, is uh, very much the same way. By the way, look at this. It says, if you're watching on video, it says, hey, B.A., this is Spence. How about some respect from you? I'm clearly a top 10 quarterback. There you go. Uh, So some folks having some fun there on that, on the other side of the glass there for a moment. I actually probably think that Rattler's a better quarterback than some people give him credit for. I've kind of probably touted Rattler a little bit more uh, than some people have. He was clearly very good at the end of last season, but he's going to put that together for a full year here right now. 
Shane Beamer, a coach that I like at South Carolina, is trying to take that next step. And a big full year from Rattler gives you a chance to do that. Another Spencer quarterback name in the SEC, I sort of feel the same way about it a little bit, is Spencer Sanders. Now, my assumption is, and my assumptions oftentimes turn out to be wrong, my assumption is that Sanders might eventually win the Ole Miss job. He transfers from Oklahoma State. They take uh, the transfer from LSU there as well. They've got Jackson Dart still in the program. But you don't take two transfer quarterbacks if you were happy with what Jackson Dart was doing for you. And Ole Miss, I think rightly so, wasn't. So when Ole Miss comes to Athens this fall, my guess is that Spencer Sanders is the starting quarterback, assuming he's healthy for Ole Miss. And my assumption is there as well that the Rebels are really seeking an upgrade at quarterback play. And for Lane Kiffin, who I've told you before, probably needs to spend some time re-ingratiating himself to his fan base a little bit after some of the, I think, embarrassing stuff that he tried to pull at the end of last season. Um, Getting better quarterback play would be a good step towards that. And Sanders, the former Cowboy, uh, might be a guy to do that with. So so kind of fun to think about. And and then, by the way, one more thing there. Uh, Eventually, whoever wins the Tennessee quarterback job is also going to be a big part of this, too that I don't know that Tennessee is is a true playoff contender. In fact, I assume they're probably not. But I also assume they'll probably be pretty tough offensively again. So whether it be Joe Milton, who starts at the beginning of the season, holds on to the job, or a guy like Nico Imaleva, who eventually emerges there, seeing how close the Tennessee quarterback this year, whether it's Milton or the freshman, seeing how close that guy comes to replicating what Hendon Hooker did in the Josh Heupel offense over the course of the last couple of years, that's going to be a really interesting SEC-related quarterback topic there as well. I'll very quickly move on uh, and mention that another SEC team is now getting ready to get its spring practice started. It's South Carolina. Uh, I saw where Shane Beamer had kind of an introductory press conference there. And like the one thing that I think kind of comes – they've got a couple of guys that are missing spring with injuries and things like that. But probably more important than anything is right now there are a lot of questions about who what Dowell Loggins is going to provide as offensive coordinator there. And I know the thing that Beamer has immediately addressed is, hey, we've just got to stop turning the ball over so much that they believe they could have won more games a year ago had they protected the football a little bit better. Maybe that's the case. But Loggins steps in as an offensive coordinator with a pretty big spotlight on him in terms of what he's able to get out of Spencer Rattler. You're lucky to have him back, you know, coming back here for this particular year. By the end of last year, South Carolina is a pretty good football team. They got two huge wins against Clemson and Tennessee right there at the end. But can you cultivate more of that over the course of a full season? I don't mean competing with Georgia. That's probably not likely at all. But can you compete with everybody else? Uh, that would obviously be a pretty big step for Shane Beamer in South Carolina. And Loggins, the new offensive coordinator, are going to have a big spotlight on him as it relates to that. I was going to do something on the Bruce Pearl rant from the other day. A uh, very interesting game between uh, Alabama and Auburn, kind of an iron bowl in basketball. I think the SEC basketball tournament should probably be pretty fun. I mean, Georgia's not really much of a part of that right now. I'd love for them to be. They are not really. But the Pearl stuff against Alabama was pretty fun the other night. I'll, I'll save that for another time. Uh, although we will, I guess, uh, give some – I mentioned our, our good friend Kaylee Manziel a moment ago. Uh, her soon-to-be alma mater, Kennesaw State, I guess the only school from the state of Georgia likely to make a run towards the NCAA tournament uh, this uh, this year. Uh, they compete against Liberty for a spot in the, uh, in the NCAA tournament. So I guess we'll all be Owls fans in some form or fashion to see if we can get a state representative into the NCAA tournament. We'll make that cruising around the SEC – courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Also, a couple of notes here. Speaking of sports, other than football, we send some well wishes to the Diamond Dogs this weekend, who last few years in college baseball, they've kind of done their thing where it used to be they would play the Georgia-Georgia Tech series at multiple times throughout the year, kind of midweek type games, 
kind of leading into the uh, the SEC or the AC slate for ACC slate for the couple teams. Last couple of years, they've kind of combined this into a weekend series at the beginning of the season. I sort of think this is probably better. It's a little bit weird because you got one in Athens, one in um, Atlanta at Russ Chandler Stadium, and then the Sunday affair takes place at Cool Ray Field over there in Buford, where the uh, Gwinnett Stripers typically play. I think I probably like the weekend series prior to the start of conference play a little bit better. Kind of makes it feel like a little bit bigger deal. The Sunday thing there in Gwinnett should be pretty fun. And I believe, isn't it the same day the Diamond Dogs are also at the Gwinnett Arena because of the Stegman Coliseum roof issue? So that might actually be kind of a fun day for dog fans in the uh, Gwinnett County area. But either way, uh, we love the Diamond Dogs. We love college baseball. Uh, we don't like Georgia Tech. So we certainly wish the Diamond Dogs well as they get ready to battle the jackets here this weekend by the way also a nice little signifier to let you know that spring is getting closer here there as well with college baseball getting going in earnest like this now speaking of springtime and being outside enjoying things like that that is what the finished long drink gives you a chance to do and of course on fridays we celebrate uh the finished long drink with our big finish and we like to show off folks having a good time enjoying the finished long drink there as well in fact let me give this to you there as well a lot of you getting stocked up for the weekend you spent a couple of days prior to the start of the weekend doing that including the a person we're going to acknowledge here for our finished long ring here right now Stephen Max says I know it's only Tuesday but you never be too prepared for the weekend and Stephen's got a couple of cases there of the uh, long drink traditional in the blue can that's got the grapefruit flavor the gin kick and the long drink cranberry there as well in my neighborhood it'd probably be reversed I'd probably have a couple of different cranberries and probably one of the traditional because a lot of the folks in my neighborhood like the cranberry the bass but nonetheless glad to see Stephen enjoying that and if you have not enjoyed it yourself this is a great time to do it Check out The Long Drink online at thelongdrink.com. You can find out the story about the Finnish Long Drink, how it began in Helsinki back in the 1950s, been in America now for a couple of years. Got some great celebrity owners and things like that. It's kind of a cool backstory on that, but it's also available in Georgia right now, pretty much wherever you're shopping. Golf courses, beverage stores, bars, everything else. You can try the traditional, got the grapefruit flavor, the gin kick, the cranberry, as we're discussing, long drink strong, 8.5% alcohol by volume, long drink zero, no carbs, no sugar. Just a great time to try some finished long drink as we head towards the spring and a great way to enjoy as we give you a big finish going into the weekend. So thelongdrink.com for a lot more on that. All right, golden shoe today, and somebody sent this to me being funny, but they honestly have really no idea how true this really is. So I'll show you the video, and I'll kind of tell you the story here. This is a video that's actually been out there for a little while. Uh, so John Seeks Truth writes into me to say, uh, this is how I imagine Dog Nation Daily plays with his kids. And you got, because I'm a big pro wrestling fan, you got this little baby wrestling its dad, uh, dropping the DDT, then using the uh, the dresser area here, the, the dresser in the drawers, to climb to the top rope. You're eventually going to see a moonsault, uh, you know, not quite a moonsault, but basically like a, a flip dive from the uh, from the baby onto the dad here. And yeah, listen, that is the way I've played with my kids for a long time. So John is certainly right about that and worthy of a golden shoe because of it. Very funny video. I will tell you this. My son's 11 now and my daughter's strong as an ox. She's about to be eight pretty soon. It's not quite as fun to wrestling with them as it used to be because they're getting a little bit more... <laughs> I guess a little bit better at wrestling because they get a little bigger, a little stronger. But we still have a good time doing that. And we certainly had plenty of that over the years. So, John, good stuff. We will give you a golden shoe for that. I'll also tell you, lousy, stinking Gators. Right now, they're just wrestling with the idea of can they get a winning season. 239 days from right now, we know this. Georgia hands them another L. It's our Gator Hater Countdown. That's a great way to close out our week. Thanks for being with us on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. We will see you back here again on Monday. 
and of the podcast. Time now for the RS Andrews podcast. Cool down. We'll take your comments here via Twitter at Dog Nation Daily, comment section at dognation.com. Of course, of course, always really fun to have you in here on all of that. Uh, late breaking thing here. Uh, Frankie Fibonacci sends this to me. So I guess Nick Saban, I believe it's Sports Illustrated that he's talked to here. Um, he is frustrated about the new SEC schedule. He also reveals, uh, according to the quote here, this is Nick Saban. They're giving us Tennessee, Auburn, and LSU. He says, I don't know how they came to that decision. So Saban kind of argues that his permanent opponents in the SEC ought to have more balance. So a couple things here. First of all, this is the first official acknowledgement, Saban being kind of an official source here, the first official acknowledgement they are going to have the three permanent opponents, which would lead you to believe they're going to have the nine-game conference schedule. And this is the first, you know, sort of newsy man, you know, voice here to say who those opponents for any school are going to be. We have long, you know, had some strong suspicions here. But he says uh, Tennessee, Auburn, LSU, and Saban's not happy. Um, I think it's a little bit interesting that Alabama didn't get Mississippi State. I thought they probably would as a little bit of a concession to have, you know, one slightly easier game. But also because I believe geographically those are the two closest SEC opponents, right? Georgia and Auburn, Alabama, Mississippi State, I believe geographically they're the two closest. Lexington, Knoxville, pretty close. But I don't think that's as close as – uh tuscaloosa starkville or athens and auburn uh but nonetheless according to saban they're getting tennessee they're getting they're getting auburn they're getting lsu i mean the two games you're if you're alabama you got to play you got to play the third saturday in october and you got to play auburn of course you have to do that so it sounds like saban you know didn't want to play lsu every year which is not one of those games that has meant something for quite as long as the iron bowl and the third saturday have meant so maybe from that standpoint he's got a slight argument here but I'm sure we'll talk more about this on Monday. But hard not to draw the contrast here between Kirby Smart, who has sought the toughest possible games for Georgia. You know, in some future years, as it stands right now, Georgia's slated to play three Power Five non-conference opponents in addition to the SEC schedule. Now, maybe some of those games end up not getting played because of logistics issues. The very least, the Oklahoma game this year that was supposed to be played didn't. My understanding is, and I've talked to people fairly, you know, I won't say close to this but people who sort of know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody and what i was told is is that georgia wanted to play the road game in oklahoma whether they got the home game coming back or not like that that georgia just wants big tough games and by comparison it certainly seems like nick saban's a little different than that so can't help but notice that contrast that's late breaking we didn't have that in time for the show but it is out there right now so we thought we'd give it to you here to wrap things up on a friday and our rs andrews podcast cool down find rs andrews online rsandrews.com for your air conditioning heating plumbing and electric needs they will show up on time they'll do the work that's promised the price is promised including as we head towards the spring getting the air conditioning unit tuned back up to factory fresh specs keeping you nice and cool and comfortable all warm weather season long so find out more at rsandrews.com about that and find out how you can get it all done for just 99 bucks you'll have a great day we'll see you back here monday dog nation daily presented by kroger have a great weekend and we will look forward to talking to you then